Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. We're continuing our series on the four marks of the church, one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. On this episode, Bishop goes into the second mark, holy. Find out more about our call to sanctification and humility. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, and we're breaking down part two of our four-part series of the four marks of the church. Thanks for being here, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. You've met Mother Teresa, Pope John Paul II, both canonized saints. Anyone else stand out as an exceptionally holy person that you've met? Yeah, I mean, there's even people who aren't famous, just people who... You know, I think of my grandmother and my mother, and and they were truly holy. There's people throughout our diocese that I come, that I meet, and, you know, I see their holiness. It's it's beautiful to see that people who are obviously, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes through the crucible of suffering, also um, people Mm. who are sick or suffering and and yet do it, undergo that with, you know, faith and courage and offering up their sufferings to the Lord for the good of others. There's just so much goodness and virtue. And all of that, of course, is through openness to the Holy Spirit and conformity to Christ. I've heard people talk about being around like Mother Teresa or, or Pope John Paul II. And you, they, they explain it like you could sense or you could you could feel or you could tell this person was exceptionally holy. Do you ever get that, a feeling around certain people that they're holy? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that very strongly in the presence of Pope John Paul and Mother Teresa. I mean, that was powerful for me. I'm trying to think of other particular, like, powerful examples like that. I remember one woman in particular who had a really tough family life and she spent her whole life caring for a severely disabled son Hmm. and she was a woman of beautiful devotion always thinking of others she was very kind and good to me and it was not an easy life and yet she exuded the peace and love and joy that comes from the holy spirit so Hmm. yeah well with our topic today being holy Last week, we talked about the church being one, this week it being holy, and then we'll eventually talk about being Catholic and apostolic. Are are these four marks that we were discussing, are they in a particular order, do you think? Well, in the the creed, yes, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. So, so, Is that uh, a meaningful order? That's a good question. You you mentioned that they're very interconnected. They're very interconnected. I think this is kind of a logical order, I think. I think beginning with unity is important. And I think, though, as I was talking last time, you know, one of the the interrelatedness, I mean, you know, sin wounds unity. So, you know, that's today we're going to talk about the opposite of sin, which mm-hmm. is holiness. And we talked about the oneness of the church, you know, being an apostolic succession is one of the important signs of unity, mm-hmm. being united with the Pope and the bishops. So, yeah, they're all interrelated, but I think this order does make sense, but it could be in another order, but I think this is, yeah. this definitely makes sense. So holy, I think we, we probably all have an idea of what holy means. 
do we know where that word comes from or the the meaning of it outside of the yeah. context of church? Well, you know, in the scriptures, holy, especially the Old Testament, basically referred to this being separated from the world's, from mundane things. Okay. And God was is spoken of as all holy. You know, he's totally other. So that was the origin, the biblical meaning. Hmm. As it developed, it had more to do than as we think of it, more like moral virtue, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, so that would be the meaning, common meaning today is, is virtue, virtuous life. I hadn't even thought of that until you brought it up. The old, like the, you had the Holy of Holies, Mm -hmm. right? The separated, which is where they would keep the Ark of the Covenant. Is that correct? With the 10 commandments, et cetera. And yeah, so only the priests could enter and, you know, there was a separation from the people. So yeah, that's, it emphasized God's transcendence. And so you had to also do all those different rituals of purification and everything to come into the presence of the temple. And so that was more of the emphasis. And then with Jesus, really the core of the law becomes the commandment of love. Mm -hmm. And of course, holiness is the perfection of charity in the end. Hmm. So what does it mean for the church to be holy? Okay. First of all, when we say the church is holy, why? First of all, because Christ is the source. He is the founder of the church. He is the one mediator between God and man. He's the way of salvation. And the church is his body. And he sanctifies the church. So we can really have to begin with the fact of the holiness of God and the holiness of Christ. I think in um, Lumen Gentium of the Second Vatican Council, the Constitution on the Church, there's a paragraph that I think sums this up. It's quoted in the Catechism. It says, The Church is held as a matter of faith to be unfailingly holy. This is because Christ, the Son of God, who with the Father and the Spirit is hailed as alone holy, loved the church as his bride, giving himself up for her so as to sanctify her, okay, to make her holy. Mm-hmm. He joined her to himself as his body and endowed her with the gift of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. The church then is the holy people of God. And in the scriptures, you even find that the members of the church, what are they called? Saints. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was the common word for for Christians, saints, the holy, holy ones. But our holiness is, is, the holiness of the church is because of its unity with Christ. It's sanctified by Christ. And the church then sanctifies through Christ and with Christ. So everything that the church does, all the activities of the church are directed to the sanctification of people mm-hmm. in Christ and to the glorification of God. And therefore, the church has the fullness of the means of salvation that Christ has given to the church. You know, so this sanctity that the church has is real. But when we look at individual members of the church, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know that perfect holiness is something yet to be acquired. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're sinners, but we have all these great means of sanctification, of salvation, by which we can be 
that help us to become more holy because we're called to that. That's our universal call. And the, the soul of holiness is charity that we're all called to. Jesus, of course, himself was totally holy. There was no sin in him. And his body, the church, is holy, yet clasps, as Second Vatican Council says, clasps sinners in her bosom. In this sense, we can say the church is holy, but always in need of purification. Mm. Okay? We're on a path of penance and renewal. So all of us have to recognize that we're sinners. We're part of the holy church of God, but we need to be purified. Now, we have those Christians who've, those who've practiced heroic virtue and so lived in fidelity to God's grace that they've been canonized saints, mm -hmm. where we recognize the power of the Holy Spirit that made them holy. And that gives us hope. The saints give all of us hope. So this is really important. Church isn't is Christ's agent of sanctification. And how does the church sanctify? Through the preaching of the word, through the celebration of the sacraments. And of course, the Lord is pouring out his grace in these sacraments. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the ministry of the church, but also in the church's teachings, mm -hmm. as well as our prayer, our worship, our good works, these are all visible signs of the church's holiness. But we are composed of sinners, and that's, that's the reality. But we shouldn't be afraid to profess the truth that the church is holy. Yeah. I want to talk more about that, that because I think it can seem like a contradiction to people that we say that the church is holy, but then we see the corruption. But before we do that, if you have any questions, you can text Bishop by texting the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. We have had some good questions come in, so I think we'll have to do a, maybe a whole episode answering questions or sprinkle them in on, on future episodes. We'll continue to talk about the church being holy, how this might seem untrue when we see corruption, and how we can evaluate our own holiness coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, and we've been talking about the second of the four marks of the Catholic Church. So there's one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Today we're talking about holy. You can check out last week's episode about being one. And whenever we're talking about these, it sounds like they're absolutes. It's We're not saying that we're striving for, or maybe we are, I guess this is the question. Are we, maybe at both and striving for holiness or versus the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic church? I would answer that by saying, yes, the church is okay. one holy Catholic and apostolic. We, we profess that in the creed. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there's not any wounds 
for okay. example, to the church's unity. We talked about that in the last episode. The church is one, but we know there have been wounds to the church's unity. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had separations of some some from the church, like mm-hmm. happened at the Protestant Reformation. So the church is still one, but its unity has been wounded by sin. Same with the church is holy. The church is always holy. I mean, after all, Jesus is the head of mm-hmm. the church. He endowed the church with holiness. The church is his bride. And he's, you know, the Holy Spirit has been endowed upon the church. And the Holy Spirit's the soul of the church. The Holy Spirit, God is perfectly holy. And so he gives us the sacraments and other means by which we can grow in holiness. But the church is wounded by the sinfulness of her members. Mm Mm-hmm. And just because there are sinful members doesn't mean the church is not holy. And the church's mission of sanctification and evangelization is hurt when there are scandals, when mm-hmm. there are when there's corruption, yeah. like you mentioned. So sin wounds the unity of the church. It also wounds the church's witness to holiness. And I think that can be a difficult thing for us to separate the the church that we're talking about here versus the people that make up the church. Right. How, how does, or does, I guess the church exist separate from the people that make it up? I would go back again to what the second Vatican council taught. Okay. In Lumen Gentium, the council says Christ, holy, innocent, and undefiled knew nothing of sin but came only to expiate the sins of the people. Hmm. The church, however, clasping sinners to her bosom, at once holy and always in need of purification, follows constantly the path of penance and renewal. So all the members of the church have to acknowledge that we're sinners. Now, Mary wasn't, and she's the mother of the church, but... Uh Other than Mary, as far as we know, you know, everybody else has committed sins. So, so we always have the, like the parable of Jesus, we always have the wheat, the weeds mixed with the good wheat of the gospel until the end of, of time, until the end of the world. So I'd say we can speak of ourselves who are sinners as called to holiness, called to grow in holiness, called to walk the way of holiness. And the church, which is holy, has the means for us to do so, the mm-hmm. means of sanctification, the word, the sacraments, etc. So the church is at once holy and because of its members in need of purification. It's kind of a mystery, but... Right. Yeah. Reminds me of that quote. I'm not, not sure who originated the, that the church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners or something like that. I think that that was Pope Francis. It sounds like Pope Francis. Yeah. 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 I'd keep going back to that word, that clasping. You said that the church clasps to sinners. Because we are members of the church. Right. Okay. So the church is another, maybe an uh, an image that might be helpful to you, Kyle, is that image of the church as our mother, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I don't know, I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head right now. The church as mother is is perfectly holy, okay? Mm-hmm. But her children are not perfectly holy. Sure. Okay. 
how do we evaluate our own holiness? I know people probably living lifestyles very contrary to the church that would think that they're, they're very good, that, that, you know, that they're holy and I don't do anything bad or horrible. And there are people super holy that are going to confession every week and, and maybe even erring on the side of scrupulosity or something like that, you know, and right. think like, Oh, I'm, I'm such a horrible person. How do, how do we be objective about our own holiness and how we can improve? I think truthfulness with ourselves, letting our minds be illumined by the gospel. I think any of us who's truly listening to the voice of the Lord and the teachings of Jesus has to admit that we are weak, mm -hmm. that we fall. The saints all recognized humbly that they were sinners. When you were talking, you, I thought of the parable of the the Pharisee and the public and the tax collector in the temple. I mean, right. the Pharisee thought he was so holy because he was about obeying all these laws, but he wasn't. Uh. The the publican, the tax collector in the back, you know, just beat his breast and and said, you know, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He knew the truth about himself. The Pharisee denied that truth. He was filled with himself, filled with pride. So there's no holiness without humility. Pride is the biggest block to growing in holiness. And mm -hmm. um, it really is dangerous. It's that self-righteousness. When you read the Gospels, that was what Jesus was most critical of. Right. You know, people, you know, commit all kinds of sins. You know, Jesus forgave so many. He forgave the Zacchaeus who cheated people as a tax collector. He forgave the adulterous woman. I mean, Jesus was always giving. But those who were proud, who weren't, weren't open to his forgiveness, mm -hmm. like the Pharisees, most of the Pharisees, they were just, it was their egotism, their self-righteousness. So that's the big danger. And that's why the example that you just gave of someone think, you know, praising himself for, you know, oh, I follow, I don't know how you said it, but yeah, I'm following. Like I haven't killed anybody. You right, know, it's those kind of like things, the yeah. standard of Obviously, holiness. that conscience is not well-formed. Right. Yeah, we don't want to go to the extreme of scrupulosity, but we want honesty and the honest acknowledgement that, that we are sinners. And that's why examination of conscience is important, mm -hmm. a good preparation for the sacrament of penance. I mean, many don't even go to confession. That's, that's so sad because... That's a recognition that, yes, I need the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. I am a sinner. Who of us can go through all Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes, various, you know, the teachings of Jesus, like on, in the Sermon on the Mount, and not see that, we, we have, that we've failed, you know, at times, you know, even if it's just sins of thought, but, you know, who of us is perfectly loving our neighbor? Mm -hmm. You know, who of us is without anger always? I mean, so, you know, the beautiful thing is we can grow in holiness when we open our hearts to God's grace, especially in the sacraments, sacrament of penance, but also the Holy Eucharist, our food for our journey of holiness. We have the example of the saints, the example of the greatest of all the saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
So one of the beautiful things about being Catholic, it's not like you just be say proud, oh, I'm Catholic. No, the, we should be thankful mm-hmm. that we have all the means of salvation. But that's a great responsibility, you know, to we've received so much. Are we really living what the Lord has given us mm-hmm. through, our, through the church, especially the means of salvation that he has given us and the many opportunities to receive his grace? And it's only by the grace of God that we acquire holiness. It's only by the grace of God. But we have to cooperate with that grace. We have free will. At what point do you recommend a spiritual director? It's hard sometimes to find spiritual directors. It's a good thing. I mean, we want, you know, all our priests are encouraged to have spiritual directors because that's someone whom we can speak to about our, our, our spiritual life and our life and especially our pursuit of holiness. It doesn't always have to be a formal spiritual director, though. You know, it's hmm. hard to find. You know, yeah. sometimes you want people who really have the wisdom to give direction, sure. spiritual wisdom. But I think most of us know other people who we can at least talk to and share some of our life and, and receive counsel. I think that's a good thing. And finally, what is our obligation to our neighbor's holiness? Yeah. I guess both evaluating that seems like a dangerous area, but also like our, our obligation to, to witness and to right. evangelize. Well, I, I, I think basically what you just said is, is witness. Um, that's our primary responsibility. It's, it's not so much that we, we judge others. We can judge their actions. We can't judge their hearts, mm-hmm. but we can give scandal. And when we give scandal to others, that Im- can impede their advance in holiness. Mm-hmm. And when we think of the responsibility of parents towards their children, good parents are good examples, witnesses of Christ in the home. And sometimes parents, some parents can, and no parent is perfect. I mean, parents are sinners as well, but parents can really impede their children's growth in holiness when they don't show love to them when they don't bring them to church mm-hmm. or, t- or teach them to pray. Mm-hmm. So these are important responsibilities of Christian parents. Imagine, I mean, just the, the good example of praying in the home, but I'd also say the example of charity. I know, I know a lot of families that, that they're really living in their, for example, in, in being generous with the poor mm-hmm. and, and doing service visiting the sick, all those kinds of things that that's the kind of witness that helps children to grow in holiness. And it can also be a witness to next door neighbors, Mm -hmm. helping them, helping neighbors who need a hand, maybe elderly neighbors who, you know, can't shovel the snow or mow the grass. I mean, these are very concrete things by which we bear witness to Christ and his love. Yeah. All right. Well, again, this is part two of our four-part series. So if you you missed the first one, go check out the last episode talking about the church being one and this one on being holy. And we will continue the conversation talking about being Catholic and apostolic in our next two episodes. So thank you again, Bishop, for joining us. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. 
May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.